Hello, everybody. I'm so glad to be back. Um, first off, thank you to Drew. Um, awesome man of God. You guys definitely give your pastor a hand. It was just his birthday yesterday. So, um, like, I don't know what kind of gifts that he likes, but flood him. Um, he's a great friend. Um, somebody that we love being in ministry partnership with. I want to thank all of you, you guys who have supported, uh, um, I was going to say Hope Church, but now we're one church, Sacramento, but you guys have supported us from day one. I feel like this is family. I always love coming back here. Every time Drew's like, are you available before he even hits send? I'm like, yep. So I am so glad uh, to be back here. So again, thank you to Drew. Thank you to the elders for um, for the invite, and let's get ready to worship Jesus this morning together, okay? So we are uh, going to start with the EFCA statement on Christ's return. It says this, we believe in the personal, bodily, and glorious return of our Lord Jesus Christ. The coming of Christ at a time known only to God demands constant expectancy, and as our blessed hope, motivates the believer to godly living, sacrificial service, and energetic mission. The second statement says this, we believe that God commands everyone, everywhere, to believe the gospel by turning to him in repentance and receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that God will raise the dead bodily and judge the world, assigning the unbeliever to condemnation and eternal conscious punishment, and the believer to eternal blessedness and joy with the Lord in the new heaven and the new earth to the praise of his glorious grace. Now, question, how many of you guys believe that, believe those statements, right? Um... If you're a believer, there's a lot to be excited about um, with those statements. Uh, But we must believe all of the statements, which does talk about, uh, for the yet to believe, assigning the unbeliever to condemnation and eternal conscious punishment. So if we believe that, there's a lot of implications. And so we must say, may not a single person who is yet to believe be assigned there without being warned prayed over, and constantly encouraged to turn from their sins and trust in Christ. Amen? So this morning, we are going to talk about Christ's glorious return. And, um, you know, growing up, my dad was a pastor, and he was a military man. All that that means is that he did not play, okay? Um, Don't get me wrong. Very loving, uh, kind, gracious man. He was giving. He was fun. He was funny. Everybody liked him. But he was strict, um, very strict, and he meant what he said and said what he meant. And uh, I still remember as a kid growing up, and before he would leave, he would tell us, like, hey, you know, I'm going off to work, and I'll be back by four. So us as kids, we knew what that meant. We had a free day up until right around, well, I was going to say four, but three, because sometimes you try to, like, sneak, come home a little bit early, you know? And um, we knew... That by the time that he got home, we had better have, that, have those chores done. Otherwise, I'm not allowed to say for legal reasons, but let's just say it would not be good, okay? We knew we had to get it done because my dad did not play. But look, look, we knew that we were loved, we knew we were liked, all of that, right? But there was this constant fear that we had that when dad got home, we had to have everything in line. And, and, and if we did, all was well, and we had nothing to fear. But I want to tell you guys today, that is not how we as believers have to fear the second coming. Because as believers, 
we can rejoice knowing that he is going to, re- to return soon. Amen? And that is the good news. Now, again, just as a way of warning, if you are someone who is yet to believe, then yes, we have every reason to fear his second coming. Now, I don't know about some of you, but I grew up with a lot of like law, moralistic, legalistic type of preaching. It was, it was a very basic type of lesson. It was like turn or burn. Like they, they, just did, they just laid it all out, right? And I heard a lot about being right, living right, acting right. And if you don't, it's like God's going to come get you like he's the boogeyman or something. Um, and we did hear a lot about Jesus coming back but it wasn't a good or a happy message. It was a message of fear and condemnation. And as I was thinking about that, as I was preparing this sermon, I, was, I, I questioned, remembering all of those sermons that I heard, was it really leading people to love him? I know it led them to fear, but did they love him? Did they, did they really believe And were they worshiping him because they were loved or were they worshiping God to get love? Did they believe that God was really for them? And here was the big question. Even when they sinned and were doing things that they knew was wrong, if they were a believer, did they believe that they were still welcomed and accepted by the God of the universe? Did they believe that if Jesus came back right now in the midst of their sin, that they would be with him forever? And I would say, and I'm assuming here a little bit, but I would say I've had many combos with people that would say that they didn't believe that and that living anything else besides the 100% right life would lead to eternal condemnation and damnation. And that is a very scary thought. Now, to be very clear, I am not saying sinning doesn't matter and that you should live however you want. I am saying, Believers are sometimes gonna uh, have bad days, bad weeks, bad months, even bad years. But salvation is not something that you lose. God doesn't save you and then take that back. And if there are times when you're not living right, if you are saved, I wanna let you know right now, and I'm so glad we got a bunch of people getting baptized today. I'm so excited because baptism is one of my favorite things to witness and be a part of. And I want you to hear this and understand that, that if you are saved and you're truly his, the Bible tells us that his kindness will lead you to repent, if you're his. And that is the good news of the gospel. Because if we're honest this morning, guys, none of us live 100% right lives. Now, some of you guys just heard me say that and you're like, bro, hold on, you don't know me, okay? I live pretty good. And I'm like, okay, okay, all right, cool, cool, cool. Fair enough. I don't know you. I don't follow you around. I don't know the type of life you live. And if, and if you think you're killing it, fine, whatever. I don't really want to argue with that. But what I will say to you is this. If we were to run a test and I were to just, just, just ask um, all the husbands in here, just turn to your wives and ask them, how am I doing on that love your wife as Christ loved the, the church thing? The, or children, you, or how are you doing in that obey, uh, obey your parents in the Lord? You're killing it, right? Or I can just ask everybody, how are we all doing with the love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Anybody still 100 percent? 
Okay, all right, cool. So then we all agree that we need Jesus, right? That's the beautiful thing. And that Christ is for us. So what we need to do today is first understand the wonderful work of Christ and then what happens at salvation. Because understanding that is going to help us better understand how to receive the message of his glorious return. All right? So what we're going to do is we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 2. It's up there on your screen. If you, if you have your Bibles, you can also turn there. Um, it says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But... God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, we see these verses, right? And what do we see? Whose work do you see most of all? Yours or his? Because if it's yours, then we're going back to the same type of preaching that I got growing up, where salvation is all about you and what you have to do and continue to do to be right with God. But let's look at this verse a little bit closer. It starts out in verse one. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Question, what can dead men do? See, there's this, there's this old movie. It's called Weekend at Bernie's. How many of you guys remember that movie, right? A lot of you older, I mean, a lot of you younger people are like, what is going on? Yeah, don't look it up. It's a stupid movie, but, but it sort of has a great sermon illustration, all right? Um, uh, the plot, which is totally ridiculous, is that there's this guy named Bernie who dies, and there are these two guys uh, who are there with him who basically try to act like he is still alive for a weekend. I just saved you guys two hours. Do not watch this awful movie. Anyway, but... What happens is, what they do is they like tie string together so that he, this dead guy, Bernie's walking and they rig strings so he can wave and do all this kind of weird stuff because what they're trying to show people is that this person is alive, but he's not. He's dead, <laughs> okay? And what Paul is doing here is trying to lay out a fact for all of us to get is that dead men can't do anything. They don't walk, they don't talk, they don't blink, they don't breathe, and most importantly, they don't believe. So Paul is laying out here that you, on your own, cannot do anything without God's power waking you up and then oh, making you alive. God has to do that. Salvation is totally a God thing. And then Paul makes it very clear in verse 4 with two of the greatest words in the Bible, but God. And then he throws in the reason why. Because God is rich in mercy. God is the Jeff Bezos of mercy. I actually looked this up. I'm like, who's the richest man in the world? $131 billion. That's wild. But what's even more wild is God is even richer than that in mercy. And then further, look, 
it tells us it's because of his great love, which he loved us. But when did this happen? When we were worshiping, when we were doing the right things, when we were reading our word and going to church or tithing 25%, is that when God decided to love us? No, it was when we were dead, unable to do anything in our trespasses. When we were in the greatest need of rescue, God rescued. God did not say, well, I hope that dead guy down there wakes himself up and gets his life together because that would be ridiculous. Weekend at Bernie's. Um, no, he stepped in and made us alive with Christ. And then he adds in something that's so beautiful. He says it was all because of his grace, his grace, all of it. Not a single bit of it was earned or payback for right living. God didn't save you because he looked down through time and saw, that one, and, and thought, and saw one day that you decided to pick him. No, you won't find that anywhere in this book. But you know what you will find? What I just shared, that it was because of his grace. You know what you will find? What we read in Romans 5, where it says, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us while we were still sinners. That is when Christ died. So God did, God did this amazing, totally gracious and merciful and loving thing. But why? Well, verse seven tells us, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That's big. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I did this because I love my son. He is saying to us, it's all because of the great work that my son did that I now receive, love, and totally welcome everyone that is in my son. There's this illustration that I heard that I uh, love because it, it helps to draw the picture back, uh, draw the picture for us very well. A pastor was talking to his son and trying to help his son understand uh, the beauty of what Christ has done for us. And so he tells his son, he says, okay, imagine that your mom is in the kitchen and she's cooking dinner. And then all of a sudden, a stranger just walks in the house and goes into the kitchen and walks up to her and says, hey, what's for dinner? He says, how do you think your mom would react to that? Sounds like, I don't know, probably grab a knife or, or you know, if she's cooking, boiling something, maybe throw the water in the guy's face. I don't know, 911, all that stuff, right? Because there's a stranger in the house and she doesn't know what's going on. Says, yeah, perfect. So now let's switch up this a little bit, okay? Your mom's in the kitchen cooking. Stranger's there, but this time you're with him. And you say, hey, mom, it's my boy, Chris. And uh, I invited him to dinner. He said, now how do you think that your mom would welcome him? Would she not turn around and be like, oh, hi, Chris, nice to meet you. Go ahead, take, take a seat, ask him all these things and welcome him into the home. But what was the, what was the difference? Same mom, same kitchen, same stranger. What was the difference? The son, the son made all of the difference. And that is why, that is why we are here today, guys. That is why we sing and we celebrate and we lift our hands to the sky and sing glad, worshipful songs to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he did for us what we could never do for ourselves. 
And so if there's one thing that we need to hear more about, it is not 10 steps to to a better life. It's not five ways on how to handle anger or how to be a better husband or wife or parent. No, the message that we must hear every single day is the gospel. The glorious good news of how Jesus Christ shed his precious blood for you, for you, for you, and all of us. And three days later arose victorious and is seated at the right hand of, watch this, not just his father, our father. Because through Christ, we are accepted in the beloved. And now God is not some angry, rage-filled, vengeful father that is waiting like a cosmic cop in the sky waiting to crush us. We're his beloved sons and daughters that he delights in and that he has given his spirit to as a sign, as a promise to us. Do you guys feel that? Do you believe that? Do you, do, you, do you believe the father really does delight in you? Do you believe that your father likes you? Or do you just feel kind of tolerated? Do you, or maybe do you feel like a, like, sometimes like a tag along at a party where you're not the quote unquote cool person, but you're just hoping that nobody will notice that you're there and then ask you to leave. And how did you even get in here? Because you kind of snuck in there. See, God sent me today to talk to those of you that cry yourselves to sleep or that go to bed every night not sure about how God really feels about you. And I want you guys to to hear this and really get this because there's nothing worse than feeling like the God of the universe. Think about that. The God of the universe. And to think that he doesn't like you or love you or that he's not for you. Zephaniah 3.17 says this, the Lord your God is in your midst. He's a mighty one who will say, listen to this, he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Listen to this. Psalm 103.8 says, the Lord is merciful and he's gracious. He's slow to anger and he's abounding in, in steadfast love. He doesn't deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. When you are spiraling and drowning in sin and despair, like Romans 7.24 says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Look at what verse 25 says. Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then it gets to Romans 8.1. Romans 8.1, you guys. Romans 8.1 is my life verse. I would tattoo it on me, but, I, but it, tattoos hurt so much, so, and, 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 and I just can't do the whole needle thing. But if I did, I would tattoo that all the way down my arm because I love what this says. It says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. You guys are so lucky here today because I am a Greek major, so I'm going to tell you what that word no means in that verse. No means none. You're welcome. There is zero condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. We need to get that and and inject that all into us because all of the wonderful work that that Christ did. So why? Because we're told in John 3.16, because God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever 
believe in him. Guys, here is the good news. You will not perish. You will. This is a promise. You will have eternal lasting life. Is that not good news? Is that not the best news that you've ever received? This is why we need to hear this news every single day. You want to know why? Because it'll make us glad about God. So many times we spend our lives thinking about how we're doing and how my performance is, but when we're doing that, we're not thinking about Christ and what he has done. But the beautiful thing is that the more that you think about Christ, the more that you become like him. At our church, at one church, our first value is be with God. And the reason why that value is so important is because we know that as we are with him, we become like him. Um, uh, what you need to understand about Christianity is this. Christianity is not about making your way up to God. Christianity is that God made his way down to us. And so life, the Christian life, is God with us, not us trying to get to him. That, my friends, is the good news of the gospel. It reminds us that Christianity is not about me and what I need to be doing, but about Christ and everything that he has done to make us right with God. And then because of that, I can now live a life of joyful freedom and obedience to his commands because all that he has done for me. That's the beauty of Christianity. And when God does this work on our hearts, a real change happens. Look at what it says in Titus 2. It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So it, so it tells us that the grace of God has come. And what it does is it brings salvation. Salvation means deliverance from sin and its destructive consequences. Who is it for? It's for all people. Well, what does it do? It trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. You know what that basically means? It basically means that the grace of God has come to teach us to say, no to sin and yes to him. That's what it does, okay? Now, to go on, it says, and to live what kind of lives? Self-controlled, which really means to be spirit-led, upright, and godly lives. That means to be led by God, his spirit, and the word. In this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, that's what we're celebrating today, the return of Christ, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who did what? He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for his own possession a people. That is what's beautiful. But what kind of people? The kind of people that Drew was just talking about and that he talks to you guys about every single week. The type of people who are zealous for good works, not doing good works so that we could get to God, but because of who he is and what he has already done, we are excited to do good works. We are zealous to go out there and do all of these good works. So now that we got all this, now that we see this, now that our hearts are full, we are grateful for the work of Christ. We're trusting in his finished work. First Thessalonians 4 now tells us this. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. 
For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, we are to encourage one another with these words. See, guys, this does not hit a little bit different when we're not like fearful of his return. Instead, that we can be excited because we just heard about this great God and Savior. God wants his children to know that death is not a period. It's a comma. And his second coming is something that we shouldn't fear but celebrate and wait for anxiously every day living our lives in such a way that he could come back any minute. And if he does, we'll be glad about it. You know, I, I heard recently that uh, little kids freak out so much when you drop them off at, at the nursery and at school because in their mind, they think you're dropping them off and you're never coming back. For them, it seems as though you're abandoning them to some weird people they don't know. And so they're like, what's, what's happening? What are you doing? Why are you leaving? I thought you loved me. And so they start to cry. They freak out. And so they're like, come back, come back, come back, come back, right? With their hands up and their tears in their eyes, right? And they don't understand. I'm not leaving you forever. I love you. I just need a break from you. <laughs> <laughs> for as long as the service goes. Sing another song, please. Um, no, um, no. You're, you're, you're like, listen, listen. I'm not abandoning you. I'm just, I'm dropping you off and I will be back for you. And when I do, you'll be glad and I'll be glad and we'll be glad together. But while we wait, you guys, we don't just stand with our hands in our pockets, whistling and waiting like we're waiting at a bus station. You see, one thing that I really love about this church is all of the sent language that we hear. Because when we take a look at the world that we live in, what do we see? Brokenness, heartache, anger, people searching for an identity and looking for something, anything, or someone to stop the pain. We see it all around us, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, on our jobs. And if you're really dangerous, you go on social media and you're like, I need to log out um, because it is wild, right? What people are looking for. People, people are waiting to hear good news. And instead, what are, what are they hearing about COVID, about monkeypox, about polio? I was like, what is happening? I thought that was a 1920s thing. Anyway, but apparently it, it's back. <laughs> We got racism, we got sexism, we got gun control stuff, we got increasing political strife and fighting and people are hurting. And here we are. We have the answer to these things. That's why it's so important that we get and embrace that God has chosen you. Yes, you, not Drew, not the elders, you. In your home, on your street, on your job, your social circle. You are that sent one. That's who God has chosen to use. But the good news is we're not going in our own strength, you guys. 
We have the truth. We have the life. We have the way. And we can fill them with hope. Do you know what hope is? Hope is a, hope is a feeling of expectation and that something good is going to happen. How many of you guys like Disneyland? Okay. Uh, many, of, many of you guys, okay, okay, cool. I'm not one of those people. Okay. Um, um, it, it's, it's nothing personal. It's, it's the long lines and the people and the crying and the waiting and the waiting and the waiting and the high-priced food. All the, it, it's, it's just, it's not my place. Okay. Um, but many of you, for many of you, I see the hands. Um, it could be today, August 28th. And if you know you're going to Disneyland on December 1st, right? When they change all the decorations and it's now Christmas time. See, some of you guys have stopped listening to me and you're like, oh, this is from God. I got to get on the website and buy my ticket. Stop, stop, okay? No, that's not from God, okay? <laughs> Listen to me, okay? Um, um, <laughs> if we know that it's coming in, in three months, that fills you with hope, right? Because you're excited, that eager expectation that soon I'll be wearing Mickey ears and eating Mickey ice cream and hearing Small World play over and over and over and over. See, listen, I don't want to hate on the place totally, okay? Because they do have Dole Whip. Dole Whip, that is my jam. So when I go, I'm like, just point me to the Dole Whip stand and, and that's it. But that's hope, you guys. We live in that tension of the right now, but not yet while also reminding people that life is so short. You guys should see on your chairs, right? You see that black tape. It's a reminder of something. And so you should take that, but keep in mind something. Life, right? 20 years, 40 years, 60 years, maybe 80 years, right? Life. Eternity. This is why we talk about this so often. Because so often, people will just, they live it backwards. They, they only see this and they're like, this is, this is it. Not recognizing. Do you see how long eternity is, you guys? Do you see that? And what it is that we are living for? There's, 1 Thessalonians serves as a wake-up call. Don't live your life backwards. To remember that Christ's certain return demands that we do live in sacrificial service and on energetic mission. When confronted with the beauty of the gospel, we must respond to it. But the beauty of it is, is the response is not the same response that we had as kids when my dad was coming home and fearing that return. No. We can have gladness in our hearts that we get to love and worship the lover of our souls, the, the one that has done so much for us that we will gladly join in that heavenly choir and sing, worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory, honor, and power. I'm gonna invite the worship team back up as we come to a close. My friends, the second coming of Christ is going to be so sweet. It's going to be so much better than any of us can ask or think or even imagine. And God doesn't want you being fearful of it. If you are his child, you don't need to fear this. You can live loved. You can live on mission. You can live believing that he is alive 
and active, and he is working inside of you. So as believers, live your life in such a way that people are curious as to why, why do you live like that? And when they ask, you can respond back to them joyfully. It's because the king is coming. That's why. And we can get excited about the fact that a king is coming. I love that verse 16 shows us that it'll be a strong, victorious return where all will see and we will have no choice but to bow at his majesty and cry out that Jesus Christ is Lord. Can we celebrate that together here, family? He will return and he will be back here soon. But there may be someone here today that has not accepted this wonderful Jesus that I've talked about. And for you, that glorious return will be one of great sorrow. But I got such good news for you. It doesn't have to be that way. You are not here today by accident. God woke you up this morning, got you out of bed, got you to this place to hear this word today. And right now, right now, he wants to do what he does best, which is save. If that's you today, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to come forward. You can right there in your seat say yes to God. Repent of your sins and trust in the finished work of this wonderful Jesus. Will you do that today? Will you trust him with your life? I promise you, he'll never leave you. He will never forsake you. And you'll join with us. Look at, look at how many gathered together believers that you have in here with you today. You will gather with us on that glorious day when he also comes. And you will live, remember, in eternity with him. Let this serve as the reminder of what it is for you. If that was you today, if you prayed that prayer in your heart, please find a friend, find a pastor, or come talk to me after this service because I would love to welcome you to the family today. But let us walk out of here glad and anxiously await the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you, God, for everything that you have done for us today, from waking us up, God, to getting us to this place to hear your word. And I thank you, God, for every single person that you drew here today. And I do pray, God, that if there's anybody here that does not know you personally, will you please, God, come into that heart and save them today so that they may uh, be a part of this eternity that we talked about today. Father, I pray for anybody uh, who came in here discouraged or, or, or just not knowing how you feel about them. May the words that were said today be something upon their hearts that they would know that they are loved, accepted, and welcomed by the God of the universe. I thank you, God, for every single person. I thank you for those that are getting baptized today, God. Oh, Father, thank you for what you have done in their lives and on their heart. And we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you how he did all of that so that we would be welcomed forever by you and we will never lose that. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen.